0: People on the people, dancing, dancing on the oh Welcome to Deep Americana. Today on Deep Americana, Josh will be interviewing Austin over what a healthy rivalry is, soccer, baseball, basketball, and the sports bubbles.
1: Welcome to Deep Americana. This is Josh, and I'm with Austin today. We're going to discuss sports. Um, Austin, uh, you're a soccer coach, uh, would you like
0: to elaborate on that? Yeah, absolutely, so, uh, kinda, I mean, I truly, I guess, I started coaching soccer in high school, um, I came from a small town in Wisconsin, um, I was part of our first traveling soccer team growing up. Once I got to high school, the high school coach uh, asked me, he was like, hey, can you help me out with this, uh, team a little bit, and that kinda got me started in the coaching realm. Um, and then it just kind of progressed. I played all through high school, um, played a little bit in college, and then I had the opportunity to coach college program for a year. Um, did oh, that. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, and I, so it was a Division Three women's program that I got to coach on. Uh, and then uh, I moved into the club scene. I went and got. Uh, I have two licenses currently. I have a USSF uh, F license and then a USSF uh, E license. I'm going to be working on my D license here. So. Kind of goes in a layered system all the way up to A is the highest that you can get, which is like, um, like what a Jurgen Klinsmann or you know all those top, top level coaches. Essentially, if you're in the U.S., you're gonna have that A license and uh, you know, head honcho type of guys. You know. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. So I, I've I've been around been around the pitch a little bit. You know. It sounds like it. Uh, so you follow much um, soccer
1: nationally and internationally in terms of. Um, Big Soccer clubs and whatnot.
0: Yeah, so I, I am a diehard uh, Newcastle fan. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean I've been following the Premier League. pro I mean, for a long, long time. Started uh, more recently to get into like the Bundesliga, and some of those other European leagues, just because of all the players. I mean, there's so much transferring going on from league Absolutely. to league. Um, I can't say I watch a lot of domestic here in the U.S. Uh, MLS. It's uh, it's a fun crack show to watch, but uh, it it's not my favorite type of soccer, I can say that. You no, know,
1: I, I understand what you're saying. The Premier League is pretty special because um, you know, they, they they play at such a fast pace uh-huh. and uh-huh. you know, it's they're out
0: for blood. Yeah <laughs> so well, to speak. It, and it's that fast pace, but yet you, you can see the, the methodical side of it develop and they do it so quickly. It's it's really mm-hmm. impressive. And I, I love the relegation system. I think that is such a unique thing in sports. No other league really does something like that, I mean outside of soccer leagues, but I think that's a really unique part of it as well.
1: Absolutely, I, I really wish they would bring that into American sports. I, I think that that would forever change, especially the way things are going now in different leagues here in America, whether it be the NBA or uh, the mm-hmm. NFL or any of them really. When teams are just, they get to a point in the season where they know they're not gonna do well and they're out there for draft picks and mm-hmm. you can't do that and you don't get to do that in England or uh, any other country in, in uh, that I'm aware of in Europe concerning soccer. That's just not something that, you know, you're the top or the bottom three or four, you're out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I feel like it just builds like a, a poor culture or it can build a poor culture because then you get these teams, you know, Cleveland Browns, Miami Dolphins, where they get these long stretches of you know, terrible years, and I feel terrible for the fans, because, you know, they're in the situation you just explained, where they're like, well, we're just playing for draft picks, I guess, and hope that they develop, right?
1: Yeah, it, it can go on for many seasons, and where you're just stuck in, like, this permanent cycle of rebuild, where, well, you get a couple of decent players, but your team doesn't get out of the first round of the playoffs, or they don't even make the playoffs, so you're just like, okay, so we're going to tank for two, three more years, and then mm-hmm. the cycle just repeats itself. Yeah. And I think, you know, the small market teams can complain or whatever because they don't get the TV money that the big
0: market teams do. But it's it's like
1: you're still, mostly you're still in salary cap circumstances.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you can look at a team like, I mean, I'm being biased here because I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, but small market team, but years of, I mean, they had their bad years too, but years of success, you know, and I don't know if that starts with just building good culture or what exactly, but I mean... It's an example of a small market team, at least being able to produce on a pretty good scale. Yeah, and
1: Packers I think are kind of they're they're sort of special because they've been in the NFL since the you know they yes. were they had a year before they were in the NFL if I'm not mistaken.
0: Oh, they I mean I mean they would have been. I think it's like eight championships right. prior to the NFL being split up into AFL or AFC NFC. Right,
1: right, right. Because they yeah. They, but they've done pretty well in super bowls for the most mm-hmm. part as well so mm-hmm. but yeah i mean they they have, their, they have their issues here and there but i mean you know they it feels like they're kind of running into the same thing they did with Brett Favre with Aaron Rodgers where they have like you know the best quarterback in the league by far mm-hmm. or you know at times he's definitely one of the most talented but what happened was, is like, you know, they with, a, with Brett Favre, they went to two straight Super Bowls, and Aaron Rodgers has been to one. Mm-hmm. But, and they've had great teams, and they've they've come very close in championship games in the past, too, and not quite made it. Mm-hmm. But, and it happened on both, with both of them. But it's just, you know, it, the NFL is a tough sport. I mean, it, it's tough to stay on top. It's tough oh. to be on top. And
0: oh, absolutely. I mean, I... I mean, I think a lot of it can get really lost and I mean, to compete at that level. I mean, to get to a Super Bowl is so... I mean, it's it's any sport, you know, to get to that championship is literally so difficult to do. I yeah. Mean, and then to do it, you know, multiple times, you look at those teams that have done it multiple times, Warriors, Patriots, you know, whoever you want to stop. I mean, that's more recent, but even throughout history, I mean, those teams, I mean, there's something special about them. I mean bunch of different factors to go into it. Great players, great coaching, uh, you know, maybe they just have that X factor player, maybe it's, it is the culture in their locker room, maybe it's innate ability, I don't know, but there's always something special about those teams when it, when it comes to it. I mean, the Packers had had the greatest, had maybe the greatest
1: dynasty of all time in the 50s and 60s, mm-hmm. 60s at least, mm-hmm. but... I mean, that was to completely, it isn't completely, I mean, the sport was very similar to what it is now, but in terms of money and oh, right. all that, it's it's a whole new ball game.
0: Money, I mean, the training, the, the athletes that are coming out, I mean, it's, I think you see it in the NFL, yes, but I mean, and you look at like the NBA, you look at the athletes that are playing it now versus, I mean, 50 years ago, it, it's... It's almost crazy to think about, to some degree.
1: It really is, because, you know, in the nineteen, in the sixties most of those guys still had second jobs and stuff like that. You yep. know, when they were in the off-season, and these guys now, it I mean, the way they get paid, it has to be, they have to be on it like 100%, mm-hmm. off-season training, you know, everything. Studying from playbooks and whatnot, all that stuff has to be, you know, they have to know what they're doing or they're going to get cut. Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: So, who's your favorite basketball team? So, being from Wisconsin, I am a, also a Milwaukee Bucks diehard fan, um, which up until recent years was also very unfortunate. Um, struggled through the. I mean, to give a little reference, I'm a. I was born in 1994, so I'm relatively young. You know, I mean, I lived through some of the Bucks' darker days of the late 90s early 2000s when really all we had I mean we wasted away and got rid of Ray Allen which sucked yeah and then I mean uh, outside of that our only other shining moments were Michael Red, um Brandon Knight for a little bit um and then a few other shining moments here and there but that up, up until Giannis and this team that uh Mike Budenholzer has assembled recently. Uh, it, it has been a tough go, but I'm thankful to be where we are now.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, it looks like you guys have got a
0: team together. Although you lost game one today, I don't know if you're yeah, I right saw out, that. It was right? like what, 122 to 110 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I watched
1: the fourth quarter of that game, and they just really didn't look like they were. Oh, they were just they didn't look like they were really playing a playoff game, which is weird because the Bucks have experience in the playoffs, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. they had some rough experience, but uh, it really felt like this was their year to break out. But it's just game one, so we're not going
0: to get it. That's true. And, I, you know, I saw some stuff online today, too, saying, you know, like uh, last year's, uh, let's see, what it would have been because it was, was it the Raptors last year that won it? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Raptors with Kawhi before Kawhi got traded over to the Clippers. Right. They lost to the Magic Game 1 of their uh, initial series. Not saying that that's an indicator of what's to happen, but you never know. History may repeat itself in that sense. I'm hoping so, obviously. But, um, no, yeah, the game today was uh, less than than enthusiastic (laughs) from a a team standpoint, no doubt. Um, So I'll be curious to see how they can bounce back and see what they do it but what a unique season. Like, I mean, this bubble concept and the games being played is really strange. It really is.
1: And, you know, just we're not even two full days into the playoffs right now as we tape this. But um in a situation where, like, now we're in the playoffs and home court advantage is really, you know, mm-hmm. it's a big deal in the NBA for a lot of teams. And it's just it's not there i mean they're doing everything they can they got the nice digital screens and all that with the virtual fans mm-hmm. but it's not it's just not um it's, it's obviously not the same and you know they they're doing it they're doing the best they can with the situation and mm-hmm. i the i just read today that they're continuing they're still covid free now mm. and that's that's amazing under the circumstances especially when you compare it to say baseball where they're having all kinds of issues seriously but they're traveling and that's the Mm -hmm. difference yeah and I think that they're more strict I mean I think they gave the baseball players like a whole um a list of stuff they were supposed to do like you know guidelines or whatever but Mm -hmm. I think for the most part most guys are following it but you know they don't have minders like they would you know if they were in North Korea or something like yeah no
0: (laughs) exactly (laughs) Well, I mean, like, the thing is, too, with that, it's, like, all it takes is just, you know, those one or two guys that don't do it or who aren't, you know, held to the same standard. Yeah. And then they're in the situation they're in now, as opposed, I mean, to the bubble, which, I mean, the NBA is fortunate enough that it's a sport that you can run something like that in that confined amount of space, right? I mean, I understand. I mean, I, coordinating that for baseball would just be... I mean, I, logistically, I don't know. I, I don't envy anyone in those types of positions to make those decisions because it is affecting a lot of lives as far as you know, jobs, not only the players, but you look at the workers at the stadiums, all of that. I mean, I know for when COVID first started here in Denver, the Nuggets organization here said that they were going to pay the wages for all the missed games for all the workers of the stadium, which was a great, great oh, gesture that's great. on their part. I didn't part. know about that, but yeah. that's, that's really awesome. So that was that was really cool to see the you know some of these teams stepping up um, trying to do whatever they can to support the people that they, that work for them and who have worked for them for years you know absolutely it's you know it,
1: that's what I don't think people realize is how or I shouldn't say people but some people just don't realize how many how many people are don't have jobs under the circumstances because of the situation and it's just. You know and they're doing everything like you said. The Nuggets are paying them. That's that's great to hear. Mm-hmm. But I mean I don't. Now I'm sure a lot of organizations that can at least afford it are doing everything they can.
0: But it's difficult. Oh, absolutely. Ooh. So I, do you have a, do you have a team that you're specifically cheering for here? NBA playoffs. NBA playoffs. Yes. Um, right. I'm rooting. Uh, I'm, I'm a hardcore Oklahoma
1: City Thunder fan, if that's a if that's a thing. You know, we've only been around since 2009 or whatever, but and we've had a real rough go in the playoffs. With mm-hmm. a couple of well, one exception, where we lost in the finals, and that yeah. team that was a there were seasons where they went where they were overperforming, and then it reached the point where they went from overperforming to underperforming, mm-hmm. and now this is definitely a season of overperformance because no one really expected anything out of them.
0: Oh yeah. Right. Okay, one I, well, I have to ask them. Is that connection from Were you a Sonics fan prior to move to Oklahoma? I'm born and raised in Oklahoma. Okay, so well we, we never, never
1: had we never had um, a real professional sports team aside from the the Tulsa Roughnecks or whatever mm-hmm. they were in the NASL and they won the championship in the early '80s. Okay, I can't oh, just yeah. Talk about going to some of those games in those days, <laughs> but I mean, you know, so like that. It was a big deal. I mean, up till then I was, a, then I still am a Celtics fan, a Boston Celtics fan, because my dad grew up in Massachusetts. Okay. So, like, so he grew up in Massachusetts, and then my parents, you know, uh, raised my sister in Oklahoma. So where my mom was from, and basically lived her whole life aside from college. Okay. Gotcha. But anyway, um, but yeah, so so I always associate with the with the uh, New England sports teams because those are the ones he rooted for. Mm -hmm. And he had no other professional franchise that was, you know...
0: Yeah, there in Oklahoma. We had, had, you know,
1: minor league soccer or, not well, minor league baseball and, um, hockey. Okay. And we went to some of those games. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's not the same level of play. Mm -hmm. It's not the, you know... It was it was big local media thing when the Tulsa Oilers, the hockey team, won won the league or whatever, and we mm-hmm. ended up in the parade and all that. You know, they had one of those parades. It's just a bunch of people driving around. Oh yeah, But yeah, yeah. I mean, it was spring break or something like that, or we were out of school <laughs> that day, so it was an excuse to do that, and it was great. But I mean, you don't get the same. You know, if you win the if you win the NHL the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, you hear about it on different, oh, yeah. you know, it'd be a thing, but like, nobody cares about the CHL, I mean, <laughs> in those days. <laughs> Not but, the same respect, But no. I mean, it was, but it was the closest thing we ever had, you know, Yeah. that, that's, that was celebrating a championship to us, and Absolutely. Was, that was alright, I mean, Absolutely. but yeah, but you know, I still, major league teams were always basically New England, I rooted for the Braves in the 90s, because they were an exciting team. Yeah, okay. And they were a National League team, and they were, you know, it mm-hmm. was a good team. Friends of mine were in the, you know, this is how it was in those days. Absolutely. But I mean, I was still a Red Sox fan.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it really goes show like those uh, those connections you have. You know, if you have a parent, a parent or a guardian, whoever that, you know, was a fan of a specific team, how that does translate down um, to who you cheer for. Um, I always thought it was strange. I have a lot of friends that lived over by Green Bay, but they're actually all Minnesota Vikings fans, and it's all because their parents grew up in Minnesota. Right. And that's, you know, that's where their allegiance was. It's where their connections were from, so it just made sense. But I was left because I mean they lived 30 minutes from Lambeau Field, which was crazy to me.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that would be pretty awesome. It's a thing you know, that's another thing about Oklahoma. we got college football is real big there. College sports in general are pretty big there. But, yeah. you know, uh but it's it's just different, I mm-hmm. mean, you know, especially now, I guess with football, you could still have a pretty decent team of a lot of the same guys for three or four years, yeah, but i mean it's it's so different from the way things even used to be for college where you you get to college basketball, there's so the guys so many guys won and done
0: now, it's hard for me to even follow- mm-hmm. yeah, no, I don't I, it's. It it makes me upset that they got rid of you know that the whole rule where players could just jump straight from high school to the pros right because right. You, you like you just said it's really impacting the college game now um, to a really large degree where I mean just if if a player already knows they want to go play NBA then let them go try to make their money you know right. I mean if they think that they're capable of doing that by all means. Go do that. Let another kid get that scholarship then to go to that school. Who's going to be able to be there for a couple of years? Um, because we all know, I mean, the percentages of kids who make it one to D1 college is only like 1% of all high school athletes per sport. And then only 1% of those college athletes are going to make it pro. So, I mean, I, I'm not saying, it's not, it's not the athlete's fault at all. That is not at all by any means their fault. This is completely a policy issue. Yeah. Um, that got put in place here that's kind of stopping things from happening, so to speak.
1: Yeah. It's a... And I think the NBA, I think they're going to probably change that rule. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, you know, th- there's no reason why you shouldn't just be able to come right out of high school and play, and then that would solve a lot of those problems. Oh, I think yeah. you still probably have people coming out after a couple of years. Oh, yeah. And more that would come out after three, but if they're not if they're allowed to go straight in most of them I mean probably will and maybe that'll give, a, give college basketball a little bit more cohesion it's not like there's not great players but it just it, it just feels so different to me than the way it used to be when I was a kid oh, and yeah. kids would play until I mean I still feel like Chris Weber kind of messed the whole thing up because <laughs> you know he, he left he left after sophomore season and if it, it stuck around for a third year surely they would have won a championship
0: oh yeah oh absolutely I mean I think you could say that. I mean, you look at some of those teams that uh, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky. I mean, some of those teams that they had the talent that's come through those schools. I mean, if they, like you said, if they'd stay a few more years, you'd see a lot of national championships. I think going to some of those teams. Um, but I mean, it's the, it's the player's decision, I guess, in the end. Right? I mean, it's what they want to do. And, pretty much, and. And it's you know the system that they that they have to play in. So. Yeah, it's
1: I mean you know they're they're doing the best they can with the situation. It's just I would mm-hmm. I would hope that one day that in the not too distant future, and all of this stuff with college sports right now is so iffy anyway. So it's, yeah. <laughs> but.
0: But I think they'll figure out a better plan for that. Absolutely. So looking at the NBA playoffs, I'm curious. Who do you legitimately see in the finals, possibly winning it all? You know,
1: it's hard to say because you'd want to pick the Lakers and the Bucks just because they're both number one seeds. Mm-hmm. But I almost, to some degree, you got to throw the seeding out of out of the book because that's a regular season that was completely disjointed, mm-hmm. and they don't have like we're talking about before. There's no home court advantage really. Yep. So it's. I mean, I would think that. See, I think that the Lakers are going to run into issue with the with the Blazers because they're they're like one of the hottest teams Mm -hmm. in the league right now, and they've got most of their they they're playing better now than they have all season because they got the right pieces back.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. They got
1: McCollum and um, and Lillard, and those guys are ridiculous. So they, so it's hard to say. I mean, maybe the Clippers because they've got Kawhi Leonard, and you know, there's. I think that the Raptors and the Celtics both have a chance Mm -hmm. at least get to the finals, along with Milwaukee, and you could maybe even throw another team in there. But, um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I mean, on the west west side, a lot of people, you know, you might, Denver had a really good year. Mm -hmm.
0: But, I mean. Unless they can get Barton and um, Gary Harris back. I mean, those are two pieces that absolutely, I think, need to be there. If they're not there, then you know what? This is a really good experience here for Denver. Uh, and then these next few years are scary as all get-up to me if I'm an NBA fan in the West because what Michael Porter Jr. has been doing, what the small flashes of Bull Bull has done. Yeah. I mean, both those two. I mean, you look at, they started the tallest lineup, like average height lineup of all time in the NBA. I mean, it was Bull Bull, Michael Porter Jr. So let's see, Booble like seven two, mm-hmm. Michael Porter Jr. six ten, Jokic seven foot, Jeremy Grant six nine six ten, and then I don't remember who their last starter was in that in that lineup. Um, but regardless, I mean, you're basically starting six like five dudes that are going to be right around six ten or taller.
1: Yeah, and that's pretty rare in this league now because yeah. they're going smaller and they're they're trying to get those quick threes and you know they're like you see so much of this i just watched that houston uh, oklahoma city game mm-hmm. and houston just drive and kick drive and kick and move the ball around and it it was killing the thunder and mm-hmm. that's you see that part of the game i mean there's a lot of talk that you can't quite do it that well in the playoffs and so we'll see because again this is so this whole experience this year is going to be different from any other year in the past uh-huh. so we're going to see some weird Slightly weird stats. I think the shooting line actually, at least early on, it looks like it's it's really good for some teams. Yeah, and I've heard heard them talk about it being a real shooters venue or mm-hmm. venues that they have there because they don't have all the people running around to distract them so much.
0: Well, it's, I know it's uh, a lot of a lot of the really good shooters. I mean, like the Kyle Corvers. Uh, uh, let's see. Well, Clay Thompson isn't there, but. Um, Trying to think of some of the other really good. Uh, Devin Booker was another one who commented on it about how it really just reminds them of their practice facility and where they train a lot of the time. And it, there's something to be said about, you know, I think also taking the crowd out for some of those shooters, it takes some of that pressure off. I mean, you, it, it literally almost might feel just like practice in some situations, you know?
1: Yeah, I remember Ray Allen used to always talk about the favorite thing. His favorite thing was going into an opposing team's venue um, and just making the fans that they all just want to boo you because you played so well. Yeah. And you just hit so many of those cold-blooded three-point shots. But you know, I think that for most of those guys, there's just there's a higher level of focus when there's not a bunch of, when there's not, it's not like that for everybody though. Like, Tuka Rask and the Boston Bruins left, left the team to go be with his family after, I think, the second game. Mm-hmm. of the series. Uh, they were playing against Carolina, it was tied 1-1 at the time, they've lost a game, and the night before or whatever he'd said that he just didn't really feel the atmosphere was as much fun in the playoffs without the fans. And that's, you know, a reasonable thing to say. Mm-hmm. And then to just leave the next day, it, it opens up questions, but... Mm-hmm. He's not here to answer him, and I'm not going to bug him about it. Because if he went home to be with his family, I assume it means he doesn't want a bunch of media people out there. And
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I I, I think that. Go, I mean, I think there's a lot of players because I know Mike Conley for the Utah Jazz. He left the bubble because he has he had his I think it was his firstborn son was just being born back in like Cincinnati or Cleveland, and he left. I mean, they're a playoff team, but I mean at the same time, I think this COVID situation has definitely changed. Perspective on life a little bit for for everyone. Um, so I mean, I mean, I can totally understand. I mean, family if, if that's what's really important to you, and in the time that we're in, I I'm not gonna be mad at a player for you know choosing that in that situation. No, and
1: I don't blame any of the NFL players that have decided to opt out of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's their... Especially concerning the NFL, because they're still planning on doing that, I mean, there's no way you could put the NFL in a bubble. No. Because there's just entirely, there's way too much personnel. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, what are they going to do, stagger the games over like five nights or something like that? Right. Just how many football fields do you have in one spot where you could, you mm-hmm. could really do that? And, but ultimately, it just comes down to the personnel, because you're talking about hundreds of people per team. Yeah, because you got 53 on the active roster, and then you got your you got the guys that play on the practice roster, and then you got coaches. And mm. there's there's not another league with more coaches than the NFL no. team. No, I mean, it's kind of outrageous how many coordinators and
0: assistants <laughs> <laughs> then you add in the training staff you know team doctors physical therapists absolutely massage chiropractors all of this Cause, I mean the other thing that's different with the NFL compared to the, the NBA and some other sports is the amount of recovery time that's needed in between those games I mean you see it during the regular season when teams have to go that that Sunday to Thursday night game I mean it's just shown, you know. There's a higher chance of injuries. There's there's more issues. Players aren't performing the same because they don't have the same amount of time to recover. And like I said, trying to logistically figure out how to stagger those games one for player safety, performance, which is going to lead to entertainment. Which, to be honest, that's what pro sports is. It's an entertainment business to a degree. I mean, it, it would just be a nightmare. It really would.
1: It would be. It could be. I mean, just getting them all into a bubble mm-hmm. is, would be tough enough, you know. And then again, it's like, where are you going to house all those people? You'd have to. You just do it on a coastline or something, and then they start putting people on cruise
0: ships, and that's like a. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, seriously. I mean, it's. Yeah, the NBA is really about the only league that, the bubble is plausible right well, they're
1: working it in the nhl too but they yeah. got two bubbles and they're both in canada which isn't experiencing near the same issues we are in america mm-hmm. at least on a per capita i believe i could be wrong about that so i don't mm-hmm. want to i don't want to be absolute on that but it just seems like they're doing they're having a, a little easier go of it than we are here yeah but i don't subscribe to very much canadian media as a general rule so they could be you know, i don't
0: know very true yeah and I, I can't speak to that either by
1: any means well you used to live in wisconsin but you yeah. know that's close to canada but i've been
0: yeah no i mean i've been up there a few times and i've, I've been up on by the border quite a bit um i did i, I studied canadian health care some but i mean that's that's about the extent of my knowledge i can't say that I'm, i would be anywhere near an expert level to, to speak to uh how they have been impacted in this situation but i i I think it was a smart move on the NHL NHL's part just to go up there for their it's their league. Yeah, it's I mean even though there's more American teams than there are Canadian,
1: mm-hmm. and it's always been that way at least in the NHL. I mean, it's it like they, they think the most they've ever had was one third of the teams. Yeah, and then that's slowly gotten a little smaller. And I think they oh well, they moved to Atlanta I think to Winnipeg. So they they try to you know. But it's still their sport I mean it's oh, still yeah. like that's their national pastime like here it's allegedly baseball although I would make a I would make a point that really football and basketball are taking more precedent in baseball in the, at least the last 10, 15, 20 years and baseball yeah. still has a it it definitely has a part of it, definitely a lot of America part of it but it's just not it doesn't hold the same popularity that it used to despite the fact the players are still making
0: serious bang oh them. yeah and it's just I think it goes back to, you know, there's so much nostalgia tied to baseball, right? It's like, it's, it's that well, like classic a, like a hundred thing. Like hundred-year-old, you
1: know, um, oh, they get records that are over a hundred years old that will never be taught because of the dead ball era and the fact that guys hit more doubles and triples in those days than they ever mm-hmm. could now. Yep. But it it's just different. But it's all, you know, it's all just fun stuff to do, you know, for most people, either, you know, like we are physically able to actually play sports and then others to just sit around and watch them and mm-hmm. analyze them. And, you know, they've got a whole game in that in fantasy sports. I don't get into that personally so much. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I just like the game for the game.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I've, I've done some fantasy. Um, I like fantasy soccer, actually, a lot. But uh, fantasy football, I'm, I'm just, I'm over it. I, I, I hate, you know, the whole, the, the funnest part is drafting players, and then after that, I don't care. I just give up because I'm like, in the end, all I care about is my team winning. You know, and if there's another player on my team who's playing my team, I'm like, I want you to do bad because I care more about my team winning than me getting 20 points from this dude doing four catches and, you know, 100 yards for two touchdowns or whatever it may be, right? Like, I've, I've, I've given up on the fantasy life for the most part on that end.
1: Alright, I think one more thing I want to talk about in sports, they have what I consider to be healthy rivalries mm. How do you think that, I mean we could take that and bring it more to just life in general
0: Yeah, yeah Yeah, you know that that's really interesting point because it's something it's something that is so ingrained in sports not even just at the professional level but I, I've experienced it in all my levels of coaching, from college level down through, I mean, I've coached as young as U10 girls' soccer. And I can tell you rivalries exist there, even. and In different schools? or um, In schools, but also in clubs. So the club that I coach for, I mean, there were other clubs in our area, and the, the girls that I've coached, the boys I've coached, I mean, it's, it's still the same mindset. You know, they have their one club, they're like, this is the team we always battle with. We always have great games with you know it's back and forth. So like, I mean, even when I was in high school, I mean, we had, we had our schools that when it came to playoff times, it was always this one team. That's who we knew we, who like that that was our that was our goal. We have to get past them. That's who we had to be in. How that can translate? I mean, over into the into the regular life. I mean, it's it's a real motivating factor, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also a dangerous game rivalry, especially. Uh, I think maybe more in the United States with our capitalistic setup, because it can get to a dangerous level of uh, whether it's rivalry or you literally, you know, I hate using the word hate, but hatred for someone who's doing better than you, right? Right. So it's finding I don't I, finding that middle level in real life versus the sports life is very difficult. I think. But it is such a healthy rivalry, I think, is such a good thing. And people should look for rivalry in a, in a good way. I think businesses should try to build a culture of some type of rivalry. And you see it. I mean, like look at like, Uber Lyft, right? Or yeah. That, I think that that's the first example that I just thought of there. Or you can look at burger chains, whatever. I mean, the rivalries are there. Apple sure. and Microsoft. Yeah, exactly. And then... Uh, it drives, it drives innovation, it drives so much um, for companies and whomever to, to develop the latest and greatest, which is what is so cool about it, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I tend to agree that if, it's, if it's, as long as it's, as long as it's healthy and everybody's growing as a result, mm-hmm. then that's, that's, the, that's the good part about it. I, I just wish we could translate that to politics, but I really don't want to get into that. <laughs> no,
0: I hear you. Well, and I, I guess my, my question for you on it would be, so at, at what point do you think rivalries, whether it's sports or in regular life, don't have to apply politics here, but at what point do you think that line gets crossed where you know it's not healthy like can you think I'm trying to just think of something I mean normally I would
1: say so the line is generally violence Like yeah. I
0: think to like like in
1: the Red Sox and Yankees rivalry mm-hmm. there have been instances now I mean back in it even recently and been back in the day like you know the teams would brawl like literally. yeah yeah and, and sometimes players would get injured mm-hmm. that's when the line is crossed in the sporting realm yes now in, in business you know, I mean, probably that's when you're talking about stealing secret, stealing like you know, intellectual property and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. That's where you might get, um, that's where that might get out of line. And anytime there's violence where people get hurt, injured, or you know, even fans. Like, mm-hmm. like there have been instances with the Giants and the Dodgers and the Red Sox and the Yankees. And this is just a baseball where fans were like severely hurt and mm-hmm. I think in some instances killed. Mm-hmm. And you know you could look, you can go to Europe and soccer and the oh. Hooliganism. I mean, that's like
0: a whole other level of. It, so. Well, I mean, you know, because I, I know you're a Liverpool fan. Yeah. I mean, Liverpool has their. I mean, I know this wasn't maybe necessarily because of because of a rivalry, but uh, the awful events that transpired for Liverpool. You know, I mean, how many was it? Ninety some dead. Ninety the ninety six
1: of Hillsborough is Yes, uh, ninety six of Hillsborough. Yeah, and that was, was, and that really was more like at least in modern times looked as. As a failure of a police, a police department yes. to like properly, to, to get the people in the in the game safely, yes, a, and do it in a you know, they they tried to do it too quickly, and they had a lot of issues. It was basically just organizational fault, and then they spent thirty years trying to blame it on the drunk fans allegedly. Exactly, and that turned
0: out to not really be the case. But I mean, I know Liverpool but, and Everton fans have had their share of yeah, incidences.
1: And, yes, and the interesting thing about that is, you got like brothers and sisters or whatever that are on different sides of that, that for whatever reason they chose their own team you know mm-hmm. and, and it's I mean that's like the civil war in some ways but I think in more recent years I think after Hillsborough that that happened in 1989 that and what happened before that what transpired in 85 when Liverpool played I can't remember if it was Juventus or Roma I think it, it may have been Juventus for, the, um, for what would have been the European Cup final and there were a bunch of people that were killed in the, in the match and that was just like fighting and, and that sort of Jeez. thing yeah and the, the liverpool got banned for about five years uh from from uh, european play because of that and that kind of led to the demise of liverpool that only now they're finally back up on the perch so to speak when yeah uh, when in the champions league and premier league in successive seasons i think that that should pretty much I think now we can finally move on from all that other stuff that happened in the past, but mm-hmm. and in soccer in general, they've really made a crackdown on yeah on hooliganism over the last you know twenty or thirty years, and it's made a difference.
0: Oh, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, I think you look at to me the World Cup, especially, is such a uniting event for countries. I mean. It, it's really amazing I feel like I first realized this in 2010 when it was the South African um, World cup and it, that was the first time where because I, I was finally at the age where I could realize that where I could see wow there are some major issues going on at a societal political level in some of these countries but the World Cup started and I'm not saying that it's a good thing you know that they maybe turned it back on it and didn't address some of these issues but the countries themselves were, to some degree, able to unite and like have this experience away from that tr- trauma that was going on, right? Yeah. And there's something special about that. No, that
1: makes yeah. It, I it's funny you mentioned 2010 because that was the first year I really paid attention to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And I was actually in Japan when it happened in 2002, but you know oh, I was really? in the navy at that point and. I think I may have had an opportunity to go to a game if I got through NWR or whatever, and if, you know, I was thinking about it, I would have, but we were so busy with work in those days that mm-hmm. I barely got any time off. So it was just, you know, it was hard, hard to do all the stuff I wanted to. <laughs> but that's, I got to do plenty in Japan, so it's alright, but it was, you know, I was young. But any but anyway, but yeah, 2010, and you really see like, something I noticed in the last, really the last three World Cups is you'll see, you know, people sitting beside one another rooting for the opposite country but like there's still a camaraderie there oh yeah you know sometimes you don't see during a world cup you don't generally see violence at least not in since i've really been paying attention to it and i think that's just because that's that's not what they're out there to do they're out there to have a good time support their country Mm -hmm. you know and if you're going out to the world cup you know you're going to be meeting people from all over the world and that was something when when i was out there i did see a lot more you know people from well, so foreigners to japan so to speak mm-hmm. and it was very interesting i mean it was just basically a higher percentage of drunk europeans but it wasn't all like that yeah <laughs> yeah Besides, usually when I was out in Tokyo, it was late night anyway, so, you know, (laughs) I mean, that's just how it was.
0: Yeah, I imagine that city doesn't sleep very much. I mean, it seems like one that's just constantly going, especially, I mean, if you add in the fact that there's a World Cup going on there.
1: That's the only time, that's the only place where I could ever fall asleep in a bar and nobody would ever say a word to you. (laughs) I mean, not not every bar necessarily, but, I mean...
0: There are many that are going to let that one go. (laughs) but, But,
1: I mean, it was, they were more tolerant to just people as long as they weren't doing anything bad to anybody you right. know it's like you're being you know you're keeping yourself you're being you know nonviolent, and you know just not having a bad attitude it's if you spend money it's all good you yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's usually how it works in the world but I mean it's not it's not that easy for everybody but no. it's you know I think that we can come together and make the world a better place somehow or another. And I really think sports does that.
0: Oh, 100%. I mean, I I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I I spent the... Let's see what year that would have been. Let's see. Because our last... So, 2010. So, it would have been, what, 2014, 2018 was the other World Cup. Yeah, because 2022 was our next World Cup. Right. So, I think it would have been the 2018 Cup. I was in England for one of them. Um, oh, that's cool. And that was, I mean, I was, I was in college when that one was going. I'm trying to remember. That would have had to have been... Probably
1: 2014. It
0: was 2014.
1: And that's when they were playing in Brazil. That yep. was a good World Cup.
0: Yep. I, and that was that was such an experience. I mean, it is just being in England around any type of soccer, football for you, you know, true natives across the pond, um... You know, it it truly is a different lifestyle and experience over there. It, it's it's life. To yeah, them.
1: it really is life to them. It's funny you mentioned that. I saw a Liverpool game in St. Louis about four years ago mm-hmm. when they were doing their um, North American tour that year. Yeah. And I got to meet a bunch of people that were just from Liverpool that were that were also making the trip. And like yeah. this one guy showed me a picture of him him standing in front of the European Cup from 1977 when he was like seven years old or whatever and you know, I'm like that must have been the most amazing experience of his life and he's still showing it to people on his yeah. phone you know almost 30 years later or whatever and it was more than 30 years I almost mean, 40 yeah. years and yeah. that and I sat next to a guy an older gentleman and um, he was you know he was telling me about the 60s and the 70s and I'm just like I just this big grin <laughs> just like this is this is the most amazing experience of my life, watching Liverpool play on a baseball field against Roma. Can't imagine, let alone, was, you know. It was a, it was very amazing. And just meeting all the people was really the best part. And that's exactly, you know, that the English take soccer probably more seriously than we do any sport.
0: Oh, I, I 100% agree. I don't quite
1: understand why. I... I mean, I don't know, maybe it's because politics is turning into the sport of Americans or whatever, but the problem yeah. is no one knows how to play. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're spot on with that. I, I 100% agree with that. But yeah, it's it's I mean I it's, coaches it, are
1: horrible and they all need to get
0: fired. Right. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean because you you know it's like every team It's it's you want team that instant result every year. You want that instant result. Why can't why can't you know we can hire this coach, we can sign this player? Why aren't things turning around? You know, I mean it's no. But yes, I mean the, the American and the the English love for soccer is it's 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 honestly just amazing. I mean, it's I I'm starting to see some of that same love for soccer over here, finally, U.S. soccer scene is developing really well. You know, we're starting to get a lot of really good players who are playing internationally as well as domestically. I mean, by all means, it's good to have those players here in America too play on these MLS teams, you know. But, I mean, it's I mean obviously Pulisic, the biggest name right now, for the US playing overseas, but I mean,
1: yeah, I hope he recovers from his injury from the FA Cup finals. That was yeah. tough to watch, yeah, that was that was rough, but um,
0: but I mean, you got you got Weah playing um with PSG, still, you have um, there was couple a couple that's McKinney playing over in the Bundesliga. Is Tyler Johnson? I should have looked this up, but it was a player, a player for the
1: US that scored in the Champions League. Um, I can't even remember for what team. And it may have been, it, yeah. See, I can't remember. But he scored the first goal in a knockout stage as an American. Really? Yeah. This just, yeah. This just happened within the last two or three week, the last really week since the Champions League has been back.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, they're all playing in um, in Lisbon for the most part. But mm-hmm. there was it was an American. I wish I could remember what team it may have been Leipzig, but because yeah. I know they have a lot of young players. But it could have also been somebody for. Maybe Leon, no, it's really not. I can't remember. I should I really split that up. But it, but I mean that's progress. And the only way the Americans are ever really going to be serious contenders in a World Cup is if we have, I have to, I have to say, at least six of those, six of the starting eleven, have to be, you know, like maybe not full-time players for European clubs, but you know, contributors, guy, hard, serious contributors. I mean, I think. Agreed. I definitely feel like Pucillic is, he's basically, he's a starter now for Chelsea, and that's huge. Yes. Because Chelsea's one of the big six in England, so. Yes. I don't know the way Arsenal's going, they might want to start calling it big five, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Well, i got to ask you too, so as a Liverpool fan, were you upset that Liverpool didn't pursue Christian a little harder when when that transfer market was kind of rolling?
1: Well, you know, I was kind of surprised because for for like two years, I read about how much Jurgen Klopp you when know, it was interested in getting him, and you know he'd been in the Bundesliga and all that. And they had the
0: connection at Dortmund too, right? And they yeah they
1: had that connection. So there was for two years, like I said, you know, I read about you know he might come he might come and play for the Reds, and then it just I I don't know if Chelsea swooped in and spent more money or because toward the end I think and I think some of it just has to do with the fact that Liverpool got that front three, Mane. Yep. Firmino and Salah and breaking those guys up, it just it's not. It no, makes they sense. They played so well together for the last three seasons. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, the only know, way the he last, was going to contribute was off the bench class, at that point, right? Exactly. He would, and I think with Chelsea, because like they ended up getting him before they got hit with that transfer ban.
0: Yep. Yep. And
1: so he, you know, they weren't signing a whole bunch of other players. So they had him, and he's. You know, when he's healthy, he contributes as well as just about anybody. Probably. Oh, yeah. He's He, he could probably, you could make a case that he's one of the top top ten um, attacking players in the Premier League this past season. And oh, I yeah. really thought he hit it after the restart. He was one oh. of those guys that just really, he was on a tear. Yeah, and I he mean, really got to, he was on a, it's like he got a special stage because of the way they did the restart and everything. And because there was so little going on at that point. Yeah, got more eyes on him and it didn't bother him in the least until he uh until he he got his what was it hamstring or whatever pulled or torn or whatever it was in that fa cup final but yeah such a but you know he'll be back
0: he will i mean it's a bright getting, spot for us he
1: he's still got he's still on the upward path and i think if they get enough young guys or whatever they get enough experience playing against the t- top players in the world yes Maybe we can get out of... We can get into the quarterfinals. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I
0: mean, I think... anyone well, that was, was a out of the last soccer. World
1: Cup was one of the most heartbreaking experiences.
0: Oh, it was flat out embarrassing. I mean, it... It was a horrible night. I can remember well.
1: Oh, yes. But, I mean, you know, would have been kind of interesting with them in um, playing playing in Russia, too. But, yeah, uh, but... Um, for a whole bunch of reasons but mm-hmm. you know yeah. there's always 2022 and I, I can't remember when qualifiers restart but it's my understanding that the U.S. got like something of a buy round or something even mm-hmm. though they didn't even make the last World Cup but <laughs> they have made like five out of the last seven or something like that Yeah. so it's they've done well it's just I mean in terms of CONCACAF yes. they just missed out on the last one and it hurt because I think I feel like it just kind of was a it kind of pushed the momentum back a little bit
0: yeah well there's so much so much change and turmoil in in not only just the coaching of that specific team but the entire structure of United States Soccer Federation there's a lot of issues that were going on there and I mean I think that full-on trickled down into the US's play into player mindset on where this team is heading. I mean, it's, it's I think there's something to be said that that played for sure on, you know, the results that came for that, for that team heading towards that World Cup.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, they probably wouldn't have done that well anyway.
0: No. <laughs> I agree, but I, I Especially, mean... Especially,
1: just... well, although, I don't know, because the 2018 World Cup did have, like, just moments of utter... Just randomness. I feel like just just strange things that happened. I mean, Croatia ended up in the final. Nobody, (laughs) nobody called that best midfield
0: I've seen play in a long
1: time. Well, when you got the best, you know, you got a midfielder from Real Madrid and a midfielder from Barcelona. It's probably going to be a pretty good midfield.
0: They are. They're special. They were fun to watch.
1: You know, I think uh, uh, Luka Modric ended up winning the.
0: He won. I don't know if he won the balloon door, but he I thought won. he did. Maybe he did. I think he did win it that year actually, which was obviously a shock considering I mean it's basically just been a two horse race for just about I don't know, what'd you say the, the last decade basically? Yeah, basically the last decade with I mean, honestly no, not even I feel so bad for like guys like Robert Lewandowski who I mean the dude's been a goal scoring machine, uh, but I mean he scores forty
1: goals like or more every year. Every and, year. He's about as consistent as they come, and yeah, he's still like sits behind. He's the third, you know. He's still like the third best player in the last five years because of Messi and uh, Ronaldo. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of up and comers, and that's what makes soccer so exciting to me. Because they put you know 11 guys on the field, Mm -hmm. so there's just there's a lot of chances for a lot of guys to to become big, but some do and some don't. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I think we just about covered everything that we need to. Unless there was anything specifically that
0: uh, you wanted to talk about. Did you know, knock. I mean, I, I thought we covered a lot of really great stuff here. Right? I think we did. Absolutely. No. besides that, I mean, I am good here. All right. Well, this has been Deep
1: Americana with uh, Josh, and myself, and Austin um, doing this
0: uh, great interview, and I really enjoyed. Uh, this conversation. Absolutely, appreciate you having me on. But I, always here to talk, uh, especially Premier League. Definitely gonna give you a lot of crap for being a Liverpool fan because it just comes with the. the comes with the territory, right? right. Newcastle. it's all right, you, you know, know. It's
1: yeah. it, it's Kenny Dalglish left. <laughs> you know, he he he. There were a lot of great players that played for both teams. Yes. Over the years, so it's. It's a it's a rivalry, but it's a camaraderie as far as I'm concerned.
0: A hundred percent agree. That healthy the health the healthy rivalry, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely the healthy rivalry. That's a good way to end this. Well thanks a lot for listening, guys, and have a great day.
0: And that's a wrap for Josh and Austin. Thank you
1: for joining us.